millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey there. Hey, Jim. Dude. Yes. All right? Yeah, I'm ready. Okay, cool. With the start of fall, it's back to school and back to business. My, my calendar is getting busy every day. And I often think that this time of year is, is really the true start of the new year, as opposed to January 1st. But it's a good time to take a look at parenting and a movement we've covered before called Free Range Kids. What it means and how it attempts to counter this tendency towards bubble wrapping our kids and in and as a result, seeing kids grow up with a lot more anxiety. Free range kids and let grow. Lenore Skenazy. So what let grow is trying to do is change behavior. Because once a parent sees their kid do something independently and the kid ran an errand and they come back home and they got the bread or they went outside and they had such a good time, they came home a little late, but they're sweaty and they're hungry and they met a squirrel and they made a new friend and all of that stuff, the parents are so overjoyed with seeing their kid blossoming that they are rewired. They are literally rewired. Our show is about fixes. Yeah, how to make the world a better place. How, how do, do we, we fix, fix it? it? How do we fix it? I don't know about you, Jim, but I was more of a free ranger than not when our kids were young. I think we were more likely than other parents to let our kids walk to school and, and play in the nearby woods. Yeah, I was always a big believer in that. And our kids were walking through the woods to school when they were in first and second grade. I mean, it was only, it was less than a quarter mile, but you know, we weren't trundling them into the car to drive that little distance to school. They were on their own. We're today looking at another example of risk and fear, which are two of our favorite topics, and whether too many of us are overly protective towards our kids. So we want to welcome back Lenora Skenazy. Oh, thanks. <laughs> welcome back to me. Here I am. Lenora is co-founder and president of Let Grow and a true pioneer of the free-range kids movement. She's also a proud parent and journalist who has written deeply about raising kids in today's America. So yeah. first question, Lenore, um, what do you mean when you say our society bubble wraps children? 
I mean, first of all, I keep saying society as opposed to parents because parents are sick of being hectored and I don't want to hector them. And the other thing is that even if you want to give your kids a whole lot of independence, there are so many um, difficulties with doing that, starting with the idea that if you send your kid to the park, there might not be anyone even in the park for them to play with anymore because everybody is driving their kids to an after-school program or keeping them you know, at home or they're on their electronics. And so sometimes there are schools that won't let kids self-dismiss. There are schools that insist that a parent be waiting at the bus stop when the child gets off the bus to walk them home. And it could be it could be two blocks, it could be two houses down. And if you don't have somebody standing there, they take the kid back to the bus depot, which always strikes me as far more dangerous than letting your kid walk two blocks. You're not saying that children don't face any risks in our society, but where does most of the risk come from? Well, if we're talking about kids being um, you know, molested or abused, the greatest percentage of that comes from people that they know, not from strangers. You're talking about stranger danger points kids and parents in the absolute wrong direction. You started off by founding a movement called Free Range Kids, mm -hmm. and now you're involved in a group called Let Grow. Mm -hmm. So is there a difference? If so, what is it? So Free Range Kids is the movement I started about 12 years ago that said our kids are not in constant danger. And I sort of railed against the whole idea that somehow this generation of kids was always under threat of something. And I talked about it around the country and people would nod along and they would agree, you know, yeah, we have gone a little crazy, but they couldn't change what they were doing. They would agree that it would be nice if we could give kids back some freedom, but no. So Let Grow was founded as a nonprofit about two years ago as uh, with our focus on changing behavior, not changing minds, changing behavior, because until people really experience what it is like to give their kids some freedom or to see their kid come home from an afternoon of just free play, lots of kids together, lots of ages, they really can't, they can't make the next leap. But if we can get groups of people, if we can get whole societies normalizing the idea of letting our kids grow again, seeing the growth in letting them go, then it is much easier. So you can change society by changing the behavior of the parents. What is the difference between the way children are treated now and the way they were treated 50, 100 years ago? Well, what's different, I think, today is that there's the assumption that children are in constant danger. They're in danger of being kidnapped, raped, and eaten. That's the, the predator fear. And then they're in danger of being hurt. And we've defined hurt ever more broadly. We're worried that they'll be physically hurt, emotionally hurt, socially hurt, academically hurt. And once you've decided that kids can't do anything safely or successfully on their own, that means that there has to be somebody else there ordering their day. And we believe that actually, even in the little mini risks that we used to let kids take, they're constantly learning. We don't think they're only learning when an adult is sitting there teaching them. You know, when we talked a couple of years ago, you, four you years mentioned, ago. yes, yeah. Jim, that four time years ago, right, right. time flies, but you, you mentioned that so much of what kids do in sports these days is supervised by adults. You don't mm -hmm. get a big gang of kids mm -hmm. ranging in age from six to 11 or whatever, just making up their own games in the backyard the mm -hmm. way we did when I, when I was a kid and that, that for one thing, you know, they're looking for the adults to adjudicate the rules, but they're also sorted by age. So they never have yes. to negotiate with people who are different from them in age. What gets lost in that? 
oh, gee, let's say everything, right? Kids had the opportunity taken away from them to learn the lessons of a pickup game, which is that, you know, you got to compromise, you got to get along um, because you want the game to continue. And once you have only adults organizing a game, telling you how to play and whether the ball was in or out and whose turn it is to bring the snacks and making the teams, the children are only learning how to bounce a ball and maybe how to throw a free throw, but they're not learning any of the give and take of, of human interaction. And of course, they're left without even an ability to understand that you're allowed to demand that people play fairly and you're allowed to shape each other. I mean, one of the things that we're worried so much about kids these days is the social emotional learning. And that involves like looking at somebody and trying to read them. I'm looking at Richard right now, trying to read, is he bored? Is he trying to jump in? Does he want to say something now? And, and that's a skill. And if somebody else is deciding all the interactions for you, you're left only feeling, uh, you know, like that wasn't fair and where's an adult? I'm going to jump in. Please do. I see. Uh, I saw you, but I kept <laughs> steamrolling nonetheless. What can I say? <laughs> On the Let Grow website, there's this statement. You say that kids are not fragile, they're anti-fragile. Right. What do you mean? Well, that's a phrase I took from Jonathan Haidt, who's one of the co-founders of Let Grow, and he wrote, uh, co-wrote the book called The Coddling of the American Mind. Yeah, and we, we talked about that on How Do We Fix It last year. And he actually took it from Nassim Taleb, the you know very controversial but insightful author who makes this argument about mm -hmm. all kinds of institutions that are improved through stress. Right. So... You have things that are literally fragile. I'm looking at the glass of water you so kindly brought me. If I dropped it on the floor less kindly, it would break. Um, if I dropped my pen on the ground, which I'm going to do now for um, dramatic effect, nothing happened. It dropped on the ground, and I'm going to go pick it up. It looks exactly the same. You can't tell that it fell, okay? But there are some things, some systems, that actually need a bit of stress, a bit of tension to become stronger. And one of those systems we know is the immune system. If you, if you grow up in a bubble, you don't get the germs coming at you that allow you to build the antibodies and become robust and strong and fight off larger illnesses later on. That's, that's, what, that's the whole idea behind a vaccine too. And a third anti-fragile system is kids. And kids are born, their brains come in and they're not totally cooked yet, right? So the brain is ready to be wired. And one of the things that has wired the brain since time began is dealing with other kids, taking a little risk, climbing a tree, copying the older kids. The brain is expecting all the experiences of human life, not the horrible ones, not famine, not the plague, but daily interactions that are not perfect to come in and make the brain understand, oh, this is how this works. And if you don't get those experiences because there's somebody stepping in saying, oh, that's too much for you to handle. Let me handle it for you. You don't get wired. You don't get anti-fragile. Your message is powerful and, and, and strong. How do you deliver it without stigmatizing parents who are controlling, who are anxious, and, and who are helicopter parents? I don't blame people for being helicopter parents. We're living in helicopter times. If you're told that you have to pick up your kid after school. And here, here's how after school pickup works around the country. When the bell rings for the end of school, the children are gathered together. And then somebody outside alerts the first parent in the row of cars that they can come forward. And then often somebody opens the car door for the child. 
puts a child in and the parent rolls off and then the next parent and the next parent because it's assumed that this is how you should be getting your children to and So from in other school. words, the idea that the child may actually walk home, that's it's not, not part it, of what they would consider. It's as not normal. completely off the table. I'd say um, 11, most recent statistics I had is that 11% of kids, which is basically one out of 10, still walk home. But it is so normalized that I went back to my school, and I was five when I walked to school, and it wasn't considered crazy back then. And they changed the road in front of the school. The street is now one way only during drop off and pick up hours because there are so many cars. And when the social norms are that strong, you can't blame an individual for feeling like this is the right way to parent. It's also something that's really driven by the way the media and a lot of people in authority promote the fear of stranger danger, oh, that yeah. there's pedophiles and kidnappers hiding mm -hmm. behind every tree and pulling up in vans in front of every elementary school. Right. So you're living in um, a miasma of, of fear where parents are told that if they're not watching their kids every single second, not only are the kids in danger, but if anything bad happens, it's all their fault. It's almost like we ramped up our sense of, you know, what's the worst that could happen? And exactly. it's catastrophic. But do you feel like people are less willing to accept that, hey, a kid might need a few stitches and it's not the end of the world? First of all, we do what I call worst first thinking. You go to the very worst case scenario first and proceed from there. And so the idea is not that they will be slightly hurt, but they will be catastrophically hurt. So parents are living under this, this sort of Damocles of danger to their kid and absolute freezing hatred from the world for having, quote unquote, let it happen. It's How Do We Fix It? I'm Richard Davies. And I'm Jim Meggs. And we're talking with Lenore Skenazy, president and founder of the nonprofit Let Grow. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Is raising free-range kids an option for every parent? For instance, a couple of examples, mm -hmm. parents who, who live in high-crime neighborhoods. I feel for people in high-crime neighborhoods, and the whole idea of independence is still very valuable for those kids. So, for instance, if you're in a neighborhood where you feel like your child can't go outside and you want them to get some independence, there's plenty they can do at home. 
You can have them start cooking dinner. You can have them start babysitting. You can have them go down the hall, knock on the door of a neighbor and help them out. So really what we're, what we believe in is believing in kids. How do you talk to a parent who's, who's very anxious and, and very tentative about perhaps taking steps that you're recommending? Uh, well, that's, that's, a, that's actually a really great question because it's going to lead me to a little um, public service announcement here. So what Let Grow is trying to do is change behavior because once a parent sees their kid do something independently, and the kid ran an errand and they come back home and they got the bread or they went outside and they had such a good time. They came home a little late, but they're sweaty and they're hungry and they met a squirrel and they made a new friend and all of that stuff. The parents are so overjoyed with seeing their kid blossoming that they are rewired. They are literally rewired. Our whole goal is to have people experience in their lives with their real kids, giving them some independence and feeling that overwhelming joy wash over them when they realize, that's my kid. And you have a little system to help parents figure out how to start doing this, right? We do, we do. We have, um, you know, we have suggestions on our site, which is letgrow.org. But we also are doing a couple of, call them initiatives, in the schools. And I have to stress here, all our materials are free. They're all available at letgrow.org. If you look at the schools page, downloadable. Um, so there's two school initiatives. And the first one, the one that is most directly doing what we're just talking about, is called the Let Grow Project. And that's when kids come home with this weird homework assignment. And the homework assignment is, Mom, it says I have to do something by myself. And with this little push and with an entire classroom or school doing it together, you're not the crazy mom who's letting your kid do something on their own. You're can, one of all these other parents. Can you give an example or a couple of examples of kids and what they did? Yeah, actually, I brought with me, um, expecting just that question, uh, some little forms that were filled out by, there was a school on Long Island where 247th graders were given the Let Grow project. They had to do 20 in a year, and I love that teacher. She's so cool. And, and the reason she assigned the project was she felt that at this incoming class last year, and she's doing it again this year, was the most anxious she had ever seen. She said that one of the kids came to class, which is um, right after lunch, and, uh, and she hadn't had her lunch yet. And the teacher said, all right, we'll just go to the cafeteria, come back, doesn't matter, you can, you know, you can eat it in class. And the kid said, go to the cafeteria by myself? And, and this is in a middle school, um, not a dangerous middle school, and it's a child who's 12 or 13 years old who was scared to walk down the halls of her own school to her own cafeteria without other people with her. So the, these examples. So she had her class write down questions. Uh, one of the questions she asked on this little Xerox sheet for the kids were, were there any challenges that you were afraid to try? Which one made you feel the most important? So I'll read you a couple of um, answers from what were you afraid to try? Um, one kid wrote, I was hesitant to go in the store and buy things myself because I wasn't comfortable going into a crowded store with a bunch of strangers without my mom. Uh, another kid wrote, I was hesitant to try walking my dog alone because I was scared that he would get loose from the leash or a scary man would take me since I'm alone. Somebody else wrote, I was afraid to climb a tree because I was scared I was going to fall and break a bone. And did these kids then do these things? Yes, and that's what's really, really cool. So this one kid, the one who was afraid to go in the store, said, uh, when, she asked, when the teacher asked what made you feel the most important, she said, 
I'd say when I went into town and bought food at the store for my family, it made me feel the most important so far because I felt responsible and like I didn't need an adult for everything anymore. I mean, that's sort of a, a huge win for us. This other kid who was afraid of walking the dog said, walking the dog alone made me feel more important independent um, because I was alone and I was responsible for my dog. What's interesting to me about these responses is as, as sort of overwhelming as they they felt the fear was to begin with, once they do it, they are overwhelmed with pride, with independence, with knowing that their parents trusted them to do this. And it is a totally new chapter in their lives. And of these kids, there were 39 who had actually a diagnosis of anxiety. And afterwards, at the end of the year, they're saying like, I feel so much better, I feel so competent, and the teacher was thrilled, and the teacher is the health teacher. And so she saw this as a vital part of what she did because it's not just all about eating right and getting exercise, it's about feeling like you have a place in the world and you can do it. Do you think the tide is turning on this, Lenore? For instance, we spoke four years ago, so has there been progress since then? Yeah, I think there's been a lot of progress. I mean, um, I, I go yin-yang on this. I'll tell you the bad part first, which is that every year there's more methods of surveillance of all of us, <laughs> and that includes kids. And the way it's sold to parents and schools is that children are in danger unless you're reading every text, seeing who they're talking to, um, checking out what they're doing online and offline. And um, I feel like the shroud of... Um, like just being shrouded in supervision all the time is becoming the norm for all of us. So surveillance is, is, a, is a real problem. But mm -hmm. one of the solutions that you're working on is after-school play. Yeah. What's that? So the Lecro Play Club is kids stay after school. And, and originally we were talking about how kids don't even get a chance to play with children of different ages anymore because if you're going to you know, Little League, it's the seven and eight-year-olds are together and the nine and 10-year-olds are together. But when you have all ages of kids playing together and there's a bunch of junk outside, they call it loose parts, it's really junk. So there's cardboard boxes and there's balls and there's magic markers and there's old suitcases. And kids have a swath of time, uh, whether it's in the gym or the, or the playground. Then real free play happens. Kids figure out what they want to do. Are we building a castle? Are we making a bowling alley? What are we doing? And those who want to be part of something can figure out how to work together. And those who want to do something else can go elsewhere and do their own thing. And in that, kids are getting all these skills that we worry that they don't get in um, a structured activity. So this is free play rather than organized play activities that are led by adults. This Correct. is more, much more child-centered. It's basically free time. You have adults there, but they're like a lifeguard. You know, a lifeguard is there in case of an emergency, but they don't organize any games. They don't solve the spats. They're not going to intervene in case there's a squabble. And so kids figure out how to deal with each other. And the schools that are doing it are talking about what they're surprised by is there is so little that they have to intervene in. Because once the kids realize like, oh, this is our time and we've got to figure this out, they do. So one thing that is, I think, so empowering about this movement is how a lot of what's needed can happen at the local level, the family or the school or the Very community. Mm -hmm. But there is a role for government in this. And, and you've supported some really innovative legislation in Utah. Tell mm -hmm. us about that. Right. Well, Utah became the first state um, last year to pass what they called the free range parenting law. And it says that it's not negligence to let your kid um, 
play outside, walk to school, come home with a latch key, or wait in the car under some circumstances. And uh, this year we had five or six states considering legislation like that. And then we have a lot of other states that are expressing interest. And I think that this will pass because parents don't want to have to second guess when they are allowing their kids to do some things that they believe their kids are ready for. And, and this is like if you're a mom working two jobs and you have to let your eight-year-old come home with a latch key, you shouldn't have to worry that you're going to be considered negligent when you're doing your best and you've taught your kid how to come home safely and make a snack. We're trying to give the power back to the parents so that they can give the power back to their kid. Lenore Skenazy of Let Grow. Yes. Thanks very much for joining us. Oh, thank you, Richard. And thanks, Jim. So happy you could join us again. I make myself available to you guys. <laughs> thank you. So, Richard, it's great to have Lenore back on our show. A lot of the themes that she focuses on are, are ones that we've really looked at in a lot of our shows over the last few years. But one thing really struck me when she said that told that story about the kid who was afraid of bullying if, you know, if he or she was allowed to be out with a group of kids without a lot of adult supervision. Think about that feeling that you can't handle social interactions or anything bad happening without a grown-up stepping in to fix it. And then imagine that kid going off to college. And I think what we're seeing in a lot of this fear of, of free speech and the desire to keep controversial speakers off campus, entire campus controversy, a lot of it traces back to this. But I think where the some of the worst difficulties of, of intolerance and dogma are coming are in social media and, and the way that people are engaging on social media. I'm just appalled by even when something mildly controversial is said, how when you look at the comments, whether it's you know reading a newspaper online or looking at Twitter, how often it is that people just pounce on that person for their viewpoint and, and, and just are, are eviscerate them. Yeah, it's almost like we've developed a sort of a, a moral panic culture where anything that's bad isn't just wrong, but it's kind of polluted. You can't touch it. You can't be close to it. You can't have that person around you. And you, you definitely see that on, on social media. But I, going back to Lenore's kind of overall thrust, learning to handle arguments, disagreement, people you don't like, things that are embarrassing, sad, you know, kids who cry on the playground because someone was mean to them. Of course we want to save our kids from ever crying on the playground, but it happens to everybody and it's part of making you stronger. I couldn't agree more. And on that happy, positive note, it's how do we Crying fix it? Crying on the playground. <laughs> it's how it's do we fix it? It's good for you. It's good for you. It's how do we fix it? I'm Richard Davies. And I'm Jim May. Our producer is Miranda Schaefer. We're a production of Davies Content. We make podcasts for companies and nonprofits. If you want to learn more, go to our website, daviescontent.com. Thanks for listening. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, 
all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.